Welcome to the Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which IMIG engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm Joe Payne, your host for today, and uh, I am not an engineer, but I work with uh, several of them each day, and one of which is Mike Lawless. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm sorry you have to work with us every day. <laughs> Excited to be here. Excited to talk about the virtual reality. Great. It's my pleasure uh, to work with you guys. Uh, Mike is our uh, client executive down in our St. Louis office. He is a mechanical engineer, and he does a lot of work in the healthcare and science and technology sectors. And today's topic is virtual reality. And there is nobody better on our staff to have as our guest to talk about that than Sarah Gardhouse. Sarah is our Director of Virtual Design and Construction. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Super yeah. excited to talk about my favorite topic. Excellent. So get us into the virtual reality world here and, and, and set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, sure. So uh, virtual reality, uh, it can really describe uh, any technology that's going to simulate an alternate location or an alternate reality. Uh, most commonly, you might be familiar with the Oculus Rift. Uh, so basically, when you're wearing the headset, you're transported to a virtual, uh, virtual location, uh, and it should feel like a totally immersive experience. Uh, the trick behind the virtual reality technology is it actually projects uh, two images. Uh, of the same scene taken from a slightly different perspective, one to each of your eyes. It's, it's actually kind of the same way your eyes work. <laughs> uh, when your brain sees these two images in the headset, it stitches them together and uh, it creates that sense of depth. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of applications to the AEC industry with this and uh, looking forward to talking about all of that. That's great. And and you mentioned uh, just real briefly on the history. Um, so. I was kind of surprised we were talking about today's podcast and sharing notes, and you mentioned that the history really goes back pretty far. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, the history of virtual reality is is way longer than I think you would expect. The first stereoscope was actually invented in 1830, uh, 200 years ago. Uh, it's a it's a device that uses two mirrors, and it reflects a slightly different perspective of a, a static image to each of your eyes. So it, it creates that sense of depth that you get with virtual reality. Uh, you, might, you might actually know the stereoscope by its modern name, <laughs> uh, which is the Viewmaster. Uh, and this has been around since the 1930s. Okay. And then we got into World War II and flight simulation, right? Yep. Uh, in World War II, virtual reality was used to train new pilots. Uh, probably one of the first modern drivers of the technology. Uh, but the, the advantage of it was it was allowing us to do something incredibly dangerous, training a combat pilot and doing it safely and cheaply. So, of course, we progressed into the 1980s. And as soon as we have computers, we've been trying to put everything in virtual reality. So several video games attempted to leap to that platform, but um, it really never took off in great numbers until more recently. In, in the building industry, especially, we've just seen that, you know, the benefits of VR really, really take off and really be able to provide, provide that added value to the projects that we do just, just in a number of ways. And I, I don't know, Sarah, you know, I think one of the things that, that I always think about in the healthcare world is, you know, medical equipment planning and how do we look at an operating room or another space along those lines? And how do we give, give those, those uh, clinicians an opportunity to really review that in virtual, in a virtual world. 
before we build it. And, and you know, how do, how do we do that? How do you look at that? How do you get that set up, set up so we can make that effective? Right. Uh, so, I mean, it really starts with our BIMs, our 3D models that we're producing and creating. These are excellent visualization tools, but you're still, you're looking at renderings, you're looking at 3D models that you're spinning around. If you take that model and you move it into the virtual reality environment, you can bring any of your stakeholders to the exact experience that they're going to have, that they're going to experience when the, the construction is complete and they're in the room. Uh, makes it much more easy to visualize uh, what they're going to see, uh, especially for doctors walking around an operating room. I mean, the, it, it's critical the way that those are planned uh, and built uh, so that they can you know, successfully do surgery, right? Pretty important. Uh, so definitely seen a number of virtual reality uh, walkthroughs where we've been able to bring doctors and nurses into the experience and they can you know, experience uh, the way that they're going to interact with that space uh, before we even finish our design. And how does that, you know, I think one of the, the questions that, that we get is, you know, a lot of the way that construction documents are put together is it's a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, as an engineer and Joe, you work with, with us, I mean, visualizing, you know, 2D and taking into 3D in our minds is something that, that we're used to doing. And it's, it's part of why we're good at, at what we do. But often, you know, doctors aren't you know, 3D visualization isn't necessarily part of what makes them a really good surgeon. It, it can be, but but not necessarily. So h- how do you, how do the folks react when they see that, you know, that different environment, Sarah? Yeah, it's it's often it's, uh, people are are amazed. They, they have no idea what to expect. They've never been in that situation before. I've seen it a number of times where they've looked at the plans and, you know, they see the symbols that mean the devices and the equipment. And they're like, yeah, 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 that, yeah, sure, that looks right. But, you know, they really, as you say, uh, they're, they're really not processing the 2D space into 3D. They put that headset on and it's a, it's a wow. First of all, wow, I can't believe I'm able to see this like this. And then second of all, wow, maybe I didn't really understand that 2D drawing here's my feedback, here's how we can improve that design. Right. Sarah, then we take the experience to them. What's our process and what, what, what do we use? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to date, iMeg has chosen uh, our solution of choice for virtual reality is to re- remain incredibly mobile. So we have an Oculus Rift, and uh, basically we have the smallest computer that I could find <laughs> uh, that I can travel with. It fits really well in my carry-on, actually, uh, to power the headset. Uh, and we're able to take that to our clients and our stakeholders to have them experience the walkthroughs. Uh, This is the alternative to building an expensive virtual cave, which is really cool and has a lot of wow factor, but people have to come to you. Our mobile solution allows us to come to our uh, come to our stakeholders. It also allows us to better share that equipment between our different offices and our different teams uh, to make the most use of it. And, And I guess, Sarah, the other thing, you know, you talk about building a virtual cave, the other the other thing this can replace is is you know mock-ups. You know, we're doing buildings, you know, part of the the budget is hey, we're gonna build mock-ups of these spaces. And what we've seen is, you know, you, you might still use some mock-ups or foam foam mock-ups early in a project, and maybe you only use them for some of the spaces and you're able to really with the VR, you know, have a virtual mock-up for for as many spaces as you really want want to go through. So what what have we how have we been successful with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely uh, mock-ups can be very expensive and uh, creating a virtual reality uh, walkthrough 
not as expensive. Uh, and also where it's been really useful for us is we can come back a number of times where mock-ups are really hard to reset, redo, rebuild, get everybody in the right space at the right time when it's up and running. Uh, with virtual reality, we can we can you know come back a number of times, go to a number of locations to hit the right people that we want uh, to uh, provide feedback on our design. And I, I think what you know what we've seen a lot of success with is getting the getting a team together and using that VR to go to go through, you know, to go through mock-ups, not only for the ones we maybe built physical mock-ups for, but as you said, coming back to it at the, you know, the end of the you know construction document process, when we think we're done, you know, with the drawings and say, hey, we're done, we're gonna, we're gonna fly through this in VR. And it's amazing to me, the things that you find. I mean, I think, you know, it can be as simple as that garbage can lid can't open underneath the cabinet because the cabinet's too short. Uh-huh. And, and you're able to to fix that, you know, before it goes to construction. I, I think the thing that I'd like, I think that we should share and maybe you want to share is the time commitment anymore to put some of these some of these virtual reality tours together is not is not that significant anymore compared to what some of the benefits can really be. Oh, absolutely. That why it makes it so flexible um, and uh, and easy to put in place. Ba- back in the the first you know couple of years that we were doing this, it, it wasn't as uh, you know built into existing tools. Uh, I was kind of having to hack different programs to get it you know get my BIM from Revit uh, into the headset. But anymore today, I have I have one buttons. I have I have a, I have a button in Revit. It's one button that takes me to my my Oculus headset. So I can jump in just as a person who needs to design or coordinate, get a better sense for the 3D space anytime I want. Make some changes and instantly it's all updated and uh, we're ready to review uh, you know the the new changes we've incorporated. And I think that's one of the great you know opportunities and something that 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 we've used it for too is just that quality control process. You know how many times. Do you have a, a senior engineer work into a walk into a constructed, you know, mechanical room and they look at something, and they say, gosh, that could have just been moved here and it would have been a lot better. Well, when we can do that in the virtual world easily, you know, that gives us that advantage of just making making the building that much easier to maintain and just ability to catch catch some of those issues beforehand. And I think that as it, it becomes even more easily used, I think we're gonna I guess, Sarah, don't you think we'll see even more of that? Yeah, I, I, it can only make sense uh, considering the advantages that you get by being able to vis- visualize the space better. I mean, it's just you're experiencing the space the same way you would in real life. There's no better way to visualize something. I think about, uh, you know, we were doing a demo at, or we were pep- prepping for a demo at an office and uh, this was when it was starting to get really easy to to get models uh, over into the virtual reality headset. There was an engineer that was pushing towards a deadline on a project he'd been working for 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 months, and it was a huge project. We thought it'd be fun just to put him in the headset for a couple minutes, give him a break, and he instantly found a coordination issue that he had not noticed through the entire life of the project. Fixed it with hours to go before construction documents. I mean that that was so cool to watch his experience. He took off that headset, and he was right back at his desk. <laughs> So what do you, what's the timeline on, you know, or what's the thought of engineers really almost designing more in, in VR or AR? You know, what's the timeline and the thought process along those lines and what's what's starting to become available there? Yeah, I mean, the, the technology is increasing at such an exponential rate. I mean, you know, 
five years ago, we were like, oh, maybe maybe 10 years it'll be there. Uh, and now we're like, oh gosh, I've, uh, the, the newest headsets are becoming available. The latency is way low. We're, we're getting rid of cords. Like it feels like the time is now almost <laughs> that we need to start taking advantage of this and incorporating it more deeply into our uh, you know, design flow. I mean, do you think there's a day when you know, the engineers working on a project, you know, right now we're all stand, sitting in front of a screen, you know, manipulating the model. You know, is there a day when we're really all, you know, in the model virtually you know, looking at things and talking and, and working the stuff out in that way? Yeah, you know, I actually have a vision for something that I want to do someday, uh, especially towards the end of a project. I want to get all of the engineers and designers in the model in their headsets virtually, all of them seeing each other. So this is right before, you know, we're sending out for CDs and I'm going to give them all a paintball gun and you're going to run around and, and tag clashes. <laughs> And then we're going to go back and resolve them. I mean, because the, the platform we build things on is the same platform as uh, video games. So why not incorporate a little fun into, uh, you know, the effort we already need to, to go through? And I think, too, and we're already seeing this, is, you know, sometimes with these, the, the effort, once going back to the effort required, I mean, we've seen projects uh, where we've went, where we've been the one that put together the, the VR for the entire team. And then we've brought the team together and we've gone, gone through, we've used the goggles, we've used, you know, other, other methods. And I think we've saved just on our own more time than it took us to set it up, let alone when you look across the whole project and how much time in the field we, we've saved everyone. So I think, I just think that's going to, going to continue, continue to grow and continue to be used so much more just because of the benefits that, that can be gained. Absolutely. It's just so easy to do. It's a no-brainer. And, you know, I, I picture an office, everybody's got their headsets on and they're working hard and maybe their hands are in the air and they're actually uh, using the controls to move stuff themselves with their hands. And I think, gosh, wouldn't it be great, an opportunity to make engineers look even more nerdy? <laughs> <laughs> what about, I think the other thing that comes up is as you picture all these engineers and headsets doing things is, you know, sometimes when we get, get clinicians or other folks into the VR goggles, they do, depending on motion sickness, can, can potentially not be as comfortable or feel a little bit nauseous. And is, are we getting better with, with that sort of effect? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so the motion sickness happens when your brain essentially realizes that it's not actually in the location that we're trying to, you know, uh, immerse you in. Uh, and latency is going to be the the biggest factor for that. So, when this happens, it can be super disorienting, and it's actually a big problem for me. Uh, so, I appreciate that as I I'm building these, I'm really sensitive to that and try to make sure it's uh, it's as smooth as it can be. Uh, but basically, well, the latency that's happening is. Uh, it's how long it takes you, you to trigger an action or a motion and how long it takes the headset to catch up to that. Uh, so if you turn your head and the image doesn't re-render fast enough, your brain is like, nope, this is not reality. And uh, you start to feel that uh, nausea and that sickness. Uh, so definitely, I think this was probably identified as the last great barrier to true VR, uh, just you know, across all industries. So the in the uh, the virtual reality industry has in, in, um, invested a huge amount of research into this topic alone. They've made immense strides. I mean, I can tell you, 2014. I remember turning my head, and the headset comes a, a half second later, and you're just like, nope, I'm done. To to where today it feels uh, much more seamless way have less of those problems. Uh, and I like, you know, if I'm having a demonstration and someone starts to feel like it, just just sit down, 
you know, it's, it's a lot easier to feel grounded when you're sitting down and then uh, you don't have as many issues uh, 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 experiencing uh, the motion sickness. Sarah, you mentioned uh, something called the falling story. Is that, <laughs> is that something we, that we should uh, share here? Or what? <laughs> sure. It sounds uh, ominous. I don't know. It was. This is actually my very, very, very first experience putting on a headset. Uh, I went out and bought the DK2, which is the development kit two of the Oculus Rift. And I was trying to get my model from Revit to the headset and I was having a lot of trouble with it. But the first time I knew it was going to render, you see the screen kind of light up and you're like, oh, we're in, we're in. So I put on the headset and all I see is myself falling backwards and the building flying up away from me. I'm standing in my kitchen (laughs) attached to a computer with this headset on and my brain instantly said, no, you're falling. (laughs) Stomach sinks, you know, uh, all that that electric shock you feel when you get scared. And I fell down. (laughs) I almost broke the headset. Uh, So, uh, you know, took it off. Uh, it turns out what I forgot to do was add a ground plane to my model. <laughs> ah. uh, so that was a good lesson learned. Got that incorporated and uh, uh, was able to be successful the next time around. But oh, good. I, I think it was a, a really funny story for my, my first attempt. So if you're scared of heights, that wouldn't have helped things at all. I'm guessing. Right. <laughs> someone who's scared of heights myself. And you wouldn't want that happening with a client. You know, you would hate to have them fall back and... Head, so right <laughs> so we test that we always test that out we always it's, it's the first thing i make sure we got <laughs> oh good 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 i think good. the other i guess just expanding on vr you know i know we, we've talked about that you know virtual reality what about augmented reality and, and how that's gonna influence the future as well i mean what, what do you see what do you see there Oh, yeah. Augmented reality. There are so many opportunities. It is so underutilized today. So augmented reality converts to virtual reality. Virtual reality being totally immersive. You put on the headset and you're somewhere totally new. Augmented reality, you stay where you are, but uh, your your headset display uh, actually adds information to the scene. So imagine the number of uses for uh, the AAC industry. You can be standing in a shell space looking around and seeing the completed construction. Uh, you can be standing in phase one of a construction project or and see phase two. Uh, you can be walking around and identifying, you know, clashes uh, as you move through the building and preventing those before you got your guys out there starting to install. Uh, so incredible amount of opportunity. Uh, also, the opportunity to uh, validate that when you put something up, maybe, you know, you're seeing in your augmented reality, you see the, the item turn green, you know, it's in the right spot, it's coordinated. Uh, so preventing issues and rework like that. No, I think there's a lot of opportunities. And as you said, I think the AC industry, as far as the, the work in the field, I, you know, I think there's there's challenges with manpower and skill sets in the field. And, and the augmented reality could really, as you said, add that piece where it shows, hey, this is where this pipe is supposed to go. This is where this duct is supposed to go. Here's how the hangar should should look. And I think that's just going to con- continue to advance and, and really help take the model that we build with VR and, and take that into the field where then you can really take, truly take the results from BIM, the VR, that effort and put it in, put it into practice, which I think is, is going to be a great, a great time saver and, you know, improve quality and improve outcomes. Yeah, especially as we start to uh, get to the point that we have with VR. VR is like, we're so nimble with it at this point. It's so easy to go from BIM to VR, identify 
issues, make changes and reset. AR is going to get to that point too. Uh, and as soon as we have that, I mean, the construction industry now anymore, the, the, their time is, you know, a huge issue. And if we're able to uh, flip those reiterations quickly, get the very latest coordinated model at us out in the field, uh, it's, it's just only going to improve our ability to succeed at those projects, avoid, you know, coordination issues and uh, potential rework. I think the other thing, you know, expanding on, we talked about quality control on the engineering side, you know, prefabrication is just continuing to grow in the field as well. And I think the the virtual reality could also allow those, those really those skilled tradespeople to come in, you know, we can, you know, document what a prefabricated rack looks like and we can really immerse some, once again, you know, a lot of times the trades folks aren't maybe as as skilled and you can't see the detail on a 2D drawing as you can see in that 3D model and getting them into that model and looking at it, I think is going to just could make the prefab even more efficient than what it is, what it is now. Yeah, especially where, I mean, you've, you're uh, building something that is going up and down and above and around and you just, you, you can't, can't really see that in 2D. Uh, we can, we can do our best to communicate, but so few people have the ability to truly visualize and why, why force us to when we have such amazing technology to help us with it. So in, in addition to, you know, what, everything we can do and will be able to do in, in the construction and design side, uh, some of our uh, markets, some of our clients are also implementing VR for their own use. And, and we, we get involved in that too, or, or, or we're starting to, right? So like in, what, in healthcare, uh, in simulation labs, education, how does, uh, what's, what's the opportunity there for, for, for this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, education is a huge opportunity for VR. Just imagine any time that we have a high stakes scenario, it's better trained in virtual reality. So open heart surgery, you know, the first the first time the doctor does that, let's do it in VR. You know, there's no risk, there's no cost. Uh, and, and you know, I think currently hospitals are having to invest in like mannequins or, or other tools that help simulate this. Those aren't very flexible to incorporate new procedures or, uh, you, you know, uh, new things, new education that they need to teach uh, uh, doctors and staff. Virtual reality, so flexible to, to get new scenarios, uh, import them. Uh, and, uh, and learn in the ex exact way that you're going to experience it when you have to do it in real life. Yeah, I mean, that what immediately comes to mind for me with, with scary scenarios that would be better trained in virtual reality is teaching new drivers how to drive a car. And I'm sure it exists, but right now I'm experiencing that in, in the real world. And I think the virtual world sounds pretty appealing at this point. <laughs> so I, I definitely see the... <laughs> The ability yeah. there and, the, and the ability to train and really help help folks improve. Yeah, and it's cool because you can start to incorporate, um, you know, like you're learning to drive a car or the the flight simulation from World War II. Uh, you build an entire rig so that when you turn the wheel, you feel it too. You know, so you get you get all that of uh, that feedback uh, through the entire experience. I think the question that I I come up with sometimes in our in our industry is. If you look at VR and you look at other industries, gosh, it's taken a long time. It feels like to come to the building industry. I mean, why, why, why is it taking so long? Yeah, you know, I, I, I honestly, I kind of don't know. I, I mean, I think it's so cool. It seems like everybody should think it's so cool, but you know, I think uh, maybe for some people, they look at these uh, these caves and they can't picture the ROI. They don't realize, you know, the the option that we've come up with. We've 
it's really, really affordable uh, to be able to uh, incorporate this technology into what we're doing now. Uh, you know, and then, you know, the motion sickness, it, it gets a lot of bad rep uh, around that, too. So it's almost it's almost like people think you have to have the holodeck from Star Trek to use this when, when in reality, there's a much simpler way to use it. And I think that's what gets lost. And I think the other part of this is like on the, a little more detailed level is, you know, when we talk about VR in buildings, there, there's virtual reality models that'll show you exactly what the color is of every part of it and what the lighting looks like exactly and, and all those. And those things that can be done. But a, you can also get a lot of benefit just out of the functional, you know, use use the standard things that are there. Look at how the functionality works. You know, compare similar rooms to each other. I mean, we, one of the projects we did, we had two rooms that had really similar uses. And we ran through both of them in VR and we're like, they're different. That doesn't make any sense. You know, why, why did we do that? And it, we weren't looking at the color of the paint or, or some of those things. It was the functionality of the room. And I just think sometimes, we, you know, I think it can get over, as you said, it can be much simpler and more cost effective than what people think it can be. Absolutely. And, and you know, the number one advantage of virtual reality is that depth the sense of scale of the space that you're in, how things are interacting with each other and built in the space. Uh, it, you don't, you don't have to have your, you don't have to pull out your paint samples or your, your you know, your carpet squares uh, in order to be able to get some value out of that. And how much, I, you know, I, the, you talked about video games earlier. And, and one of the things that I've thought about is, so I'm, I'm Sarah, I'm a lot older than you, but I'm, I'm young enough that I played video games when I was a kid. Uh, Pong. And, and, <laughs> No, not that's, maybe that's predates me. But I think I think some of this with the virtual reality is as a video game player, as a kid, you become accustomed to, you know, it's not necessarily a 3D environment, but controlling yourself through a 3D environment. And I think it's really interesting that as you get into, you know, some of the VR goggles and things, you're using gaming controllers to move yourself through the space. And I can't help but think that some of this is, just a coming of age of, of people that have, have been in those environments. And just think about, I think about my kids. I mean, they're going to be even more, you know, demanding and immersed in this kind of environment and have that kind of expectation that this is, this is how we're going to design. This is how we're going to build. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're totally right. Uh, I, you know, the, the people that are coming in expect it and they're going to start to be able to see it on the common technology that they use. I mean, my phone, I am already using it for AR, this thing in my pocket. I can hold it up and I can look around and I can see, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, future conditions in the, the space that I'm in. Uh, so it's, it's much more accessible. Uh, and the people who are going to be using it are, are going to be much more comfortable with it. I mean, I, I think about walkthroughs. Sometimes you hand people an a, a Xbox One controller or an Xbox controller and they, they look at me like, what do I do? <laughs> You know, and then you, you hand one to someone who plays Call of Duty and, and suddenly you're like, whoa, dude, <laughs> you're all over the place. It's awesome. Um, so it's it's really fun to watch that. So we're, we're, we're kind of getting close here. I hate to be a party pooper, but we're but we're uh, zeroing in on our half hour uh, time limit, which we like to adhere to if we can. And um, anything else in regards to looking at the future, uh, Sarah or Mike, that you guys see on the horizon I'll give Sarah the last word, but I, you know, it's been a great discussion. And I just think that as time goes on, that we're just going to see more and more uses of VR and then into AR and then into that product. And ultimately that product is a building that can help people learn or be healthier. And, and really the whole goal of the, of everything we do is that outcome. And, 
you know, the goal of buildings is to serve people. And if VR can make that building a little bit better and serve the folks in that building better, I don't think there's any limits to, to what we're going to do. And I, you know, Sarah, what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you see that happening? Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, it's it's so easy. It's so fast. It's so cost effective and it provides so many benefits to us just just in the ability to see and understand our design and provide a better, more effective product uh, is is well worth the very little that we have put into it uh, to be able to do that. Well, hey, this has really been uh, enlightening and fun, and uh, I appreciate all the listeners who tuned in to today's episode. Uh, and to that end, uh, the iMeg podcast is now available on any of the uh, apps that you may use. So we would love it if you would subscribe to the Future Built Smarter. We will be bringing you plenty more uh, episodes to come. And uh, in, if you have any questions about what we talked about here today, uh, just go to imegcorp.com. You can find uh, both Sarah and Mike in the leaders page and reach out to them with any questions you might have. Uh, and uh, again, thanks to everybody for tuning in today. Mike and Sarah, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Mike. Bye, everybody. <laughs>